Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined by one of my usual co-hosts, Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stacey? Hey, Sam. I'm super excited to be here today. Holy shit, love the enthusiasm. Why are you so excited, Stacey? Well, because this is going to be a quickie. (laughs) (laughs) Stacey loves a quickie. And we're reviewing two movies. Yes, we're reviewing two movies. And why are we doing two movies, Stacey? Because we couldn't stand to do either one of these for an entire episode. Well, one of them I wanted to talk to (laughs) about for 40 questions. The other one I wanted to talk about for four seconds. Yeah, okay. And anyone that's probably looked at the name of this podcast can see that we're doing The Matrix and Mortal Engines and can probably guess which one we wanted to do for 40 (laughs) questions and which one we want to do for four seconds. Hmm. Uh, we'll get into it. We flipped a coin. Mortal Engines came first, so we're going to talk about that, get that out of the way and move into some decent stuff. But uh, if you're not planning on seeing Mortal Engines, and really, why would you? (laughs) Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Uh, Yeah, if you're not seeing that film, basically, Stacey's going to hit us with a plot of the film Mortal Engines. So what is the plot, Stacey Hurley? Okay, Sam. Hundreds of years after civilization was destroyed by a classic... (laughs) Okay. Something for the offcuts already? Hundreds of years after civilization was destroyed by a cataclysmic event, a mysterious young woman, Hester Shaw, emerges as the only one who can stop London, now a giant predator city on wheels, from devouring everything in its path. Feral and fiercely driven by the memory of her mother, Hester joins forces with Tom Natsworthy, an outcast from London along with Anna Fang, a dangerous outlaw with a bounty on her head. You look visibly stressed talking about this film. <laughs> I am visibly stressed. I can hardly get the words out of my mouth. Well, that is sort of missing a few things. There's a villain played by Hugo Weaving. There's another villain who's Shrike or something who's a giant robot person that used to be a person that's had... Oh, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting this movie's build as who can stop London, the giant city. But it's actually got nothing to do with that. That's just the vehicle. Yeah, exactly. The other thing about this too is it's written by Philippa Boyens, Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson, aka the writing and directing people behind Lord of the Rings, behind the Hobbit movies. So we're like dutifully obligated to go see this and we got, us in Australia actually got this movie like two weeks before it even came out in America. Oh wow, lucky us. Really? Lucky us? Well, we didn't have to queue up in the Christmas rush to watch it. Okay, true. (laughs) Anyway, 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, 47% on Metacritic. But Stacey, as a score out of 10,000 Londons, what would you give this film? I'm going to go with Metacritic uh, with 4,777. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to go with 3,412. Oh, wow. That's one of your lowest for a long, long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I am pretty coming in at one out of 10,000. There's no way it could beat that. But it is probably one of my least favorite films this year. Wow. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, well, let's get into it. We'll get into it a little bit. So, yeah, typically we do movie reviews and 20Qs, but because we're doing two films this week to wash away the taste of a disappointing film, we're going to do 10 questions each. And we're just going to do our all play questions that we usually apply to any film. So the first up is a compliment sandwich. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know we always start with this. It's one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good about this film. So Stacey, why don't you lead us off? Okay, one good thing is in the third 
part of the movie, the, the last third, we see some beautiful scenery. I believe it's filmed in New Zealand, the mountains and everything like that. It it's is, just yeah. absolutely phenomenal, as you'd expect. I was tossing up here between two bad things. I can't <laughs> read my writing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know who this movie is for. If it's supposed to be a kid's movie... There's some quite horrifying things in it that maybe aren't suitable for kids, but it's not savvy enough to be an adult story movie. It's almost like like a young adult's genre. It could be. Almost. (laughs) Okay. Okay, the people that read these books and Hunger Games and all the other ones. Oh, okay. Well, if you're going to compare this to Hunger Games. Let me convey this in podcast language (laughs) that people can... Her face is screwed up so tightly that her eyes are bulging at the sides of her face. Okay, well, let me just point out I did not know what I was going to see, hence my confusion and my lack of understanding of tweens. And my final good thing is the cities. It was really cre- <laughs> it was really creative. Like the premise is creative. City massive cities on wheels, right? And I loved the city that they went to that was uh had all the airplanes. Like it was like a big cloud mm. and everyone the airplanes just flow into it and parked and then that was really beautiful and creative. And that was imaginative and like a kid's story, but for adults, you know, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, so my good thing is that visually it's bloody impressive. You're right, the New Zealand scenery, as well as like, you can tell Weta did this, the CGI is great. Mm. There's not a point there where you look at it and think, this is unreal, this is crappy CGI or anything like that. Like it's legitimately believable. It feel, you feel like it occupies a space. It occupies a space and that the people on the screen will actually interact with the things around it that they're actually there, that there's actually a sense of danger when a plane comes crashing towards them or whatever. The bad thing is, this movie's a jumbled mess. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Characters come and go. I, I, I don't know who you're supposed to root for. I don't know who you're supposed to care about. Motivations change. I think, like, inexplicably stuff happens. And look, I'm generally quite permissive as far as, like, just bullshit goes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm genuinely like, you know, there's a few contrivances in the plot or whatever. I'll let them go. I'll, I'll just skip them on that sort of stuff. That's fine. But in this movie, at no point did I feel like the two main leads were in any sort of sense of peril or danger or anything like that. I looked at you at least twice during this film and said, do you want to leave? Because it was so predictable as to what was going to come next. Mm. In fact, I wrote it down on my phone and showed it to you. And you looked at me and said, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I wanted. I think I wanted to leave before you wanted to leave. I said, do we, you know, can we go now? I wanted to leave when I discovered that you got a goody-goody gumdrops ice cream and I didn't. That's what pissed me (laughs) off. I wanted to leave and go out and buy me one. Uh. The final good thing about this film is the score is amazing. Yeah, I know. You're looking at me like, I don't even notice that. At one point there, when they're having the big action battle scenes and that sort of stuff, and the score is amazing. The music builds the sort of hype and tension in you. Outside of all those action-y scenes, there's just nothing there to grab onto, but at least during those scenes, it's quite amazing. Okay, question number two. What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? thing I would definitely want to be is that cool airplane they have with the... that. Yeah, boy, one. that shit was dope. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really peaceful. It had, like, wings that flapped kind of like a bird a little bit, and it was kind of like a sailboat. It had kind of sails as wings. It was very peaceful. Yeah, it's true. Good point. But it could also kick ass if required. Question number three. What quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear immediately after having sex? You could do better. (laughs) 
You, oh. could do, you could do better. I don't think so. At it's- one point, our two leads end up on a, what is it, like a scuttlebug or something, eh? And mm-hmm. they they think they're getting taken to another town, but they get taken to sold off. And they end up in a room, and she says something to him about, hey, is that your girlfriend? And then she, he goes, no. And he goes, oh, that's right. You could do better. Is that the part you're talking about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you, Sam? I was eight when my mother died. <laughs> Downer. Yeah, I've just gone from the high of sexual release to the lows of death. Grief. Question number four. How long would you date this movie for? Well, it's very pretty. So I would take it out for drinks, show it off to all my mates. Whatever happens, happens. And then never talk to it again. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> Yeah, similar to you, maybe one or two dates. Like on the first date, you'd be like, wow, this is quite exciting and interesting and what's going on? But then by the second date, you'd be like, oh, actually, everyone here is crazy and nobody knows what's going on. Would you really? You were bored of this movie after an hour and wanted to go home at least twice. Do you really think that if you were dating this movie, you'd you'd even get for a whole first date? Or do you reckon you'd just do what you tried to do to all those other guys, which is like, hey, I'm just going to go to the toilet and then leave? (laughs) But I found you. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) It's probably an off cut. (laughs) Right. That's fucking awesome. Okay. So question number five, what would be the porn parody name for this film? I read what I wrote down and it said grated. I'm like, what the (laughs) hell is grated? G-rated. I'm like, this can't be have a porn parody because it's a kid's movie. That's where you're wrong. Cornhole Engines. What the <laughs> fuck is that? If you want to see what cornholing is, I suggest you. No, I do not want to see what that is. Thank you very much. Let's move right along. Question number six. This one is also from one of our wonderful Patreons, Emily Higgins. What other film would be the best or worst to watch with this as a double header? Yes, Emily hosts the Tasteless Podcast, which reviews two movies, one that everyone loves that she thinks is meh, and then one that everyone doesn't know about or everyone loves and she thinks is is underrated and she thinks is amazing. She goes to bat for that one. I love this question, and there's a lot swirling through my head, a whole bunch of CGI, big mess, not really that interesting. I'm going with Justice League. (laughs) Or Batman v Superman. One of them. Action scenes are all right, but the rest of it, you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Or somehow turned into a hillbilly. I know. I'm going with a worse to watch with, and I think it would be one of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh. Because it's I too- I would have put that as the good. Because really? it shows you how amazing Peter Jackson can be. Not that he directed this film, but it shows you how amazing he can be. I agree. Like, I love the Lord of the Rings films. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying, is I'm saying it would just be too much. So if you watch Lord of the Rings first and then watch this, it would be a massive downer. Or equally the other way around, if you made it through this somehow miraculously, (laughs) like, are you still going to be awake for another three hours to watch a Lord of the Rings movie? Yeah, true. Good point. Okay, question number seven. What character from this film clearly needs to get laid? I think it's Tom, because he's really cute. Tom, because he's really cute. He's cool. He needs to be in more movies. Are you offering yourself up as tribute? Yeah, he's one of these up-and-coming, like, Chris Hemsworth types. You reckon? Yeah. He looks nothing like like Chris Hemsworth, but similar hotness. I wonder how old he is. I hope he's over 18. Jesus. (laughs) He was born in 1988. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I looked that up when I was IMDBing this. I don't know why I'm scouting oh. out potential guys for you at the moment. But <laughs> what about you, <laughs> this Sam? This might be the end of our relationship, this podcast. Nah, always sweet. I'm going to go with Shrike. The metal man. Yes, the giant metal man <laughs> who doesn't feel emotions until right when he's dying and realises he probably shouldn't kill the girl that transplant her mind into a girl's body or whatever the mm. hell that was. I don't think that was the right explanation. He looks like a frustrated man. He's pounding around inside that box. Mm. You know, not getting what he needs. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't have a heart, but is that really what guys use to get mm. laid? No, they use their <laughs> penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number eight. My favourite. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? I would have liked to have seen a city from America, maybe Las Vegas. And there is Nicolas Cage. At the helm? Not leaving Las Vegas. He's leading Las Vegas. <laughs> Not crashing a plane in, full of cons into Las Vegas. He's crashing Las Vegas into planes. It would be a batshit insane city where everyone's lost their fucking mind and Nicolas Cage is the mayor of Crazy Town. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And going against my grain totally... I think maybe this movie could have been better if it was set with American cities. Because American is a big, wide-open space, right? Lots of cities that have distinct personalities. Whereas I felt that the city of London kind of didn't seem like the city of London. And, and then, what, a bunch of pretentious assholes screaming, London, 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 when they were destroying cities and stuff. Yeah, but the cities they were destroying, Drawing were like little backwater mining towns from towns. Yeah, they were. They weren't going up against any cities. It's like, come on, London, pick on someone your own size. Yeah, a couple of towns and then a wall. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, uh, he would have been a good strike, don't you think? He was my second answer. Yeah, that was a really cool villainy character, and Nicolas Cage could have just gone absolutely crazy bashing around in a. A steel box in the in the jail there. So the lady with no heart for Nicolas Cage has picked the character with no heart. That's right. <laughs> Plus you would have had a death scene involving Nicolas Cage and you know how much you love that. Yeah, and I think he would have been a good pick for that because that character was very divisive. Hester kind of did love him because he brought her up as a young child after her mother died, but everybody else hated him. Hester. Hester. Hey, this is another thing about this movie. She's the one character where everyone who mentioned her said her first and last names every time. It was never just Hester. It was Hester Shaw. Hester Shaw. Hester Shaw. As though we're going to get her mixed up with some other Hester. I don't know. (laughs) Hester Blumenfell. Heston. Oh, Heston. <laughs> See, <laughs> that wouldn't even happen. I don't think there's a single film out there where I've not heard the character's first name said a million fucking times, like this film. Literally, everybody says Hester, and there's just, it just creeps. Hester, Hester, Hester. I reckon if you took a drink every time someone said Hester in this film, <laughs> you'd have fucking alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Yes, you would. Question number nine. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? I didn't really have a debate. I just had lots of questions. Like, how did this all happen? How did cities just uproot themselves completely and jump on wheels and start hooning around? That doesn't seem like a logical move. It's not like in Mad Max where... There are no cities and they need vehicles because that's the only way to get around. It just makes no sense. I just really wanted to understand what had happened. 
you know, like sometimes at the start of movies how they have those pre scenes that say have an asteroid attack or whatever the hell happened. I just wanted to know what happened beforehand. Interestingly, at the start of this, they showed the Earth, you know, as part of the logo, and then they showed it all blowing up and all that sort of stuff. Bizarrely, I watched Waterworld day before I went to see this, and they did the same thing in their logo at the start of the film. They just showed the water, they showed Earth just filling up with water and the water changing, and then they've done it for this one as well. I found that quite, quite funny. How did you notice the logo? I'm a nerd. I notice this sort of dumb shit. Yeah. So what I'm wondering is if, like, this just makes no sense. So if Egypt, like Cairo or whatever, was a city on wheels, would they pick up the pyramids and put them on a city and drive around with them? That just seems like a crazy idea. Someone has to. (laughs) Is the idea that the only things they can save are the Amsterdam's not going to cruise over and pick them up? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that's my debate. So, what about you, Sam? How bad does a film have to be before I will actually leave it? Because both this and Ocean's Eight became the first films that I've paid money for that I would have left. Wow. I've walked out of films I haven't paid money for. Spoiler alert, but one time in London, I went to a local cinema, paid money to go see a film, and then I just hopped from cinema to cinema and watched three films over the space of. Six hours. Yeah, but you're getting bang for your buck. That's different to just sneaking them for free. Yeah, but I walked out of Twilight, is what I'm saying. I refuse to watch a Twilight film. Ah, so the tween genre. Maybe it is. Maybe that's... Maybe you're not the target audience, even though you do act like a teenager sometimes. Hey, let's not get into that too much. (laughs) Okay, then, let's round this out with question 10. If you could drive around a city, what city would you choose and why? I've already mentioned it. Really? Amsterdam? Yes, I'd pick Amsterdam. Why? It's quite a compact, tough little city and would have a fog of smoke hanging around us that would uh, sort of stop other people from invading us. Mm, very cool. Actually, no, I don't want to pick <laughs> Amsterdam. I'm not into fucking weed or anything. I'd, you wouldn't go anywhere. You'd be the worst city ever. Hey, we've got to go out and eat similar cities. No, I'm cool, man. You'd get eaten by... Everyone would want to eat you. London. That would Londoners be the worst. love drugs. They would be straight over it's to It's true. Amsterdam. We'd be the worst city fucking ever. No, I'm gonna, in that case, I'm going with Dubrovnik in Croatia. Oh, why? Nice walled-off city. Got a bit of beach and coastline. Game of Thrones gets filmed there. So I could hang out with Daenerys Targaryen and pretend we're all those other cities. (laughs) King's Landing and stuff. Perfect. My other choice was Hamilton so I could ramp it off a fucking hill into the water and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a better choice. Shout out Hamilton, New Zealand. (laughs) Oh, I would pick Ho Chi Minh City because there's heaps of motorbikes and it'd be really cool and they could buzz around. Yeah, that's a pretty good answer these days. Would you like to hear what the rest of our listeners had to say? Yeah, I'd love to, Sam. What did they say? First up, Paul from the Countdown Podcast. Great podcaster, an all-round awesome human being that we had on recently for our Die Hard episode. Prague. I drive it straight to my house, empty the beer out of it, and then chuck it on the scrap heap next to Greece. <laughs> Great answer there, Paul. Gillian Ashton, another awesome human being. Dude, you paid money for this film. <laughs> But she said, also went on to say, I can't drive, so I guess I'll fit right in with the rest of the idiots in London City who think a red light means slow down. Well, it does mean slow down and stop. Great answer, Gillian. <laughs> Great answer. Kitchen von LaRue went with Bruges in Belgium. Oh, yes. Very cool. No reason. She just loves Bruges. Tara Maholic went with Estes Park in Colorado. Reckon we could chase everyone around with a giant axe. Stacey. Whoa. Yep. You've seen the movie The Shining. 
Yes, I have. Overlook Hotel is based in Estes Park. Ah, I see. So the shining on wheels, eh? Yes. <laughs> Scary. Emily Higgins, who I've already mentioned, said, I hate this trailer. <laughs> Cities can't fight. But I guess I'd pick Dubai and just tip over one of the buildings over to board other cities. Ah, that's very clever. I like that. Makes sense. Matt said, Birmingham, Alabama. Most of the hillbillies there never have left the state, let alone the USA. The look on their faces as they traverse the state border would be priceless. <laughs> that, that's if they don't get eaten by another city first. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Two guys on Friday podcast wrote in and said, New York, one word, domination. Yeah, but, you know, a thing I think with the massive, massive cities is how they're too big. Yeah, but you'd be unstoppable. Yeah, okay, I suppose. Too much people to feed, maybe. Yeah, you'd have to feed half your citizens to the engines. Yeah. (laughs) Over to Drew from the Real Feels podcast. Japan! To which I replied, Japan's a city now. (laughs) (laughs) Given the amount of urbanisation in Japan, it probably Uh, will be a city very shortly. But uh, he said, shh, I mean Tokyo. (laughs) Tokyo. I won't be judged. Excuse me, I'm needed in another room. <laughs> you know what a good city would be is San Fran, Tokyo. Out of... Um, San Fran, Okio. What is it? Out of Big, uh, Big, Big Hero. Hero 6. Funny you mention that because Steve from Everything I Learned From Movies said that he'd drive around in San Francisco. I feel like the fog would give us a tactical advantage since instead of being powered by gasoline and death metal, it'd be Tesla batteries and Journey. Ah, very good. Awesome, Steve. You always give a good answers there, mate. And once again, pretty awesome. Mr. Wick's dog groomer, probably out there looking for a new job as we speak, said, I would drive around Jacksonville, North Carolina, specifically Camp Lejeune. Lejeune, I can't fucking pronounce French words. They have 40,000 Marines with nothing better to do when not at war. Mm. Shit. Now that is a fighting force. That is a fighting force. Yes, stuff civilians. How did civilians end up on London City? I don't know, but they were doing a whole lot of fuck all. Exactly. Next up, Julio from The Contrarian says, I have the feeling no one would ever fuck with Detroit on wheels. (laughs) Detroit, a city that famously came up with $50,000 to erect a statue of Robocop. A fictional (laughs) character in a world of Detroit that is basically turned to shit. Which is currently what's happening to Detroit at the moment. Mm. Finally, from Facebook, Nick McAllister said, New York, because as I was driving, if I ever got hungry, every street corner there's a hot dog stand, so I'd be fed at least. (laughs) Very practical. I like that. Like your thinking. Food's important. And finally, former guest star, former person, Spanky. (laughs) Spanky reckons Asgard pre-Ragnarok, because I reckon it's got a solid bit of torque, built like a tank, and quite comfortable to drive. Very Scandinavian. Sort of like driving a Volvo. <laughs> that is the most well thought out answer I've ever heard. Spanky give. On one of these podcasts, he's never been Wow, he must have lots of spare time on his hands. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, that's us done on Mortal Engines. You got anything else you'd like to add? No, nope, moving right along. Yeah, no, let's get rid of that. Look, if people want to go see it, good on you. Oh, that's shit. Yeah, it's just not for us. That's yep. all. So the second movie we are reviewing today is the wonderful 1999 hit The Matrix. Yes. For those of you who haven't seen this movie. What is wrong with you? Exactly. And Sam is going to hit you with the plot. Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, believes that Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne, an elusive figure considered to be the most dangerous man alive, can answer his question, what is The Matrix? Neo is contacted by Trinity, Carrie Ann Moss, a beautiful stranger who leads him into an underworld where he meets Morpheus, 
They fight a brutal battle for their lives against a cadre of viciously intelligent secret agents. It is a truth that could cost Neo something more precious than his life. What is more precious than your life? Sex. Okay, maybe we'll uncover this throughout the questions. So I'm going to give you the ratings and IMDb has this at 8.7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 88% and Metacritic at 73. But Sam, what would you rate this movie out of 10,000? 9,789. Wow, that's a high one. Well, I'm going to go quite high too. I'm going to go... 8,992. Oh, not quite a nine, eh? No, not quite a nine, but extremely high. But we'll get into that soon with the questions. So I'm going to kick us off with the first question. Compliment sandwich. Name one good thing, one bad, and one good thing about this movie, Sam. The good thing about this film is it's a perfect blend of genres. It's like Eastern Asian Kung Fu movies meets deep philosophical debate movie meets sci-fi movie, meets fantasy movie, meets post-apocalyptic movie, meets well-drawn-out drama. There's so much about this film that just hits on so many levels. I totally agree, because if you are normally listing out that list of genres, I'm thinking that's a flop. Yeah, like Mortal Engines. Yeah, like a middle of the road, oh, they're trying to please everyone. But this isn't the case at all. It's just in this wonderful space that nothing else is in. That's true. Now, the bad thing is it's starting to look a little dated. The CGI is still pretty good, but there are scenes and things that you didn't really notice the first time through watching it that on the second time around, you're like, oh, wait a minute, that just looks a bit naff. Not entirely bad. It's not like if you watch Titanic again now, which was made two years before this, you watch Titanic again and the CGI is almost comedically bad. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I won't be watching that again. Yeah, at the time it looked (laughs) real, but yeah, yeah. All that being said, the fight scenes and everything is so well choreographed and awesome. The bullet time, everything that just then got it went on to get replicated by every other action film that came after it. There's so much awesomeness in this. Often imitated, never replicated. It was fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Well, my first good thing, I'm going to keep this real simple, is that I liked some of those CGI stunts. Not because they were CGI, but because they were things we haven't seen in movies before. You know, particularly where... Neo does the stuff where he's going really fast or he's jumping up or kicking midair, you know, in slow-mo or when he's like leaning back and dodging the bullets. Those are things I'd never seen in a movie before, like a mainstream movie. And I thought that was really cool. The bad thing is for me personally, it's a little bit long. I get that there's a lot of content in the story and, you know, they needed to tell it, but meh. Could have been slightly edited. And the final good thing is such an intriguing story. During watching it, days after watching, years after watching it, you're still wondering, what is the Matrix? And is are we living in the Matrix? And Ooh. would you take the blue pill or the red pill? Would you're you want to know about it? Curiously close to a deep philosophical debate question. I know, there. so I'm going to pull myself back. But that is yeah, one of the good things. <laughs> We need to pull you out of the Matrix, Stacey. You're getting too far into it. (laughs) Exactly. So we'll get there soon. Okay, question number two. What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? I wouldn't want to be the blue pill because that's where the story ends and you go back to the Matrix. Oh, Mm. so not the Viagra blue pill. You're talking about the blue pill in the Matrix. Yeah, Yeah, Morpheus's blue pill. (laughs) It's a choice of blue or red. Red takes you to the real world. You might be using two different types of blue pills, you know. Anywho, yes, I get you. I get you. What about you? Do you know what I definitely do not want to be in this film? No. Neo's belly button. (laughs) 
Why? Well, you're getting bloody creepy crawlies implanted in there. You have to stand there and watch it while your mouth's bloody glued over. First of all, imagine me with my mouth taped up. Oh, my God. Melted over. I would be inconsolable. And then I'm having, (laughs) you know how much I hate needles, getting this goddamn pointy thing getting inserted into my belly button. This is actually making me feel physically ill while doing this. And I refuse to continue doing this podcast until I've had a vomit. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, I'll just carry on while you go and do that. See ya. Okay. (gasps) Question number three. What quote from this film would be the worst thing to say after having sex? Sooner or later, you're going to realise there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Why is that bad? Just because it's too philosophical. Basically saying you think you know what you're doing, but you don't really know what you're doing. (laughs) You might think you're awesome. You might think you know everything about it. But that's mm. nothing unless you actually put it into motion. Yeah. Okay. I get that. All right. I know you do. I'm picking a line, one of Morpheus's lines. This is at the start of his big spiel to Neo. After this, there is no turning back. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now, basically. <laughs> Question number four. How long would you date this movie for? I'd date The Matrix for about one week, probably. <laughs> It's just too scary to think about. I'd be having nightmares all the time. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like where you are now. You married the Matrix. <laughs> I am giving you nightmares all the time. Yeah. You know, like really when you think about it, you can't trust this person. You don't know whether they're real or not. You don't know what is real. They bring everything about your life into question. How can you date someone like that? I would date this movie forever. You'd stay in the Matrix or you'd go to no, the real world? if the Matrix was a person that's hot, it's cool, it's sexy. It has deep philosophical debates. It's still like edgy and cool. It wears a lot of leather. It's like real carrier moss. It's holy shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, okay. Enough said. We get it. Keanu Reeves has never looked more naively cute. <laughs> <laughs> I always saw you had a, a thing for him. Okay, question number five. What would the porn parody name for this movie be? I'd show him my cool breeze. That's what Keanu means in Hawaiian. <laughs> Is that your answer to the question? Or are you continuing to riff on your previous jokes? Yeah, what am I? Oh, yeah, sorry. The mate tryst. <laughs> My porn parody is The Mating Tricks. Oh, damn it. That's way better than my one. (laughs) So many levels going on there. Well done. Mm. Okay, question number six. What other film would be the best or worst to watch with this as a double header? I'm going to go with Interstellar Mm. because... Is this your standard they're too long answer? <laughs> no, I think they would be good to watch together. Oh, wow. Because they are two movies that really stand out in my mind as having amazing, intriguing storylines um, that are really well portrayed and enjoyable to watch. So I think it'd be a great double header. Interestingly, my worst to watch with this would be another post-apocalyptic movie starring Hugo Weaving as the bad guy. Oh, really? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Are you serious? Yes. What movie? That we've seen recently. Oh, no. What's the other movie we're doing in this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone, Sam. That would have been by far the worst. How am I supposed to know these things? I don't know. Anyway, next question, Stace. 
Okay, question seven. What character just clearly needs to get laid? It's obvious, eh? It's, it's Trinity. Neo! No, what later? It's totally Trinity. If you look at look at what happens to her in the film. She, like, meets him and immediately is like, whoa, this is definitely the guy for me. This is the one I want to bang and marry. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty intense. But also she's just doing what the Oracle told her to do, that she was going to fall in love with the one. Yeah, but... St- She's pretty horny for him as well. Yeah, I know. And Neo, because he's just clueless. I'm like, come on, Neo. Did you ever get laid on Earth? Probably not. <laughs> he's probably in coding, computer coding in the dark in his room 24-7. Um, so now that he's met Trinity, there you go. Fun fact, most guys that computer code in their room for 24 hours 7 don't look like him. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he at least works out or eats healthy meals. He doesn't just <laughs> have takeaway. Sit in mm. his room eating chicken tenders and... <laughs> Arguing with people over fucking the internet about stuff that people don't give a shit about. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. look like anything like one of those guys. Yeah, those guys are real deep in the Matrix. I think Cypher as well. You know, the guy on their crew that turns bad and unplugs some of them? Oh, uh, yeah, he's just like disillusioned a bit, isn't he? Yeah, he's had enough of being locked up on that shit with no one to blow. I mean, have sex with. <laughs> Probably for the first time in movie reviews in 20 years history, I have this question. Question number eight. How would you incorporate Nicholas Cage? Into this film. <laughs> I don't know where you get this stuff from. <laughs> There's a dude just down the street that you go, he puts a red light on when you, you know, he's available and you just go knock on the door and you got to have the cash ready. He doesn't do I. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think in this case, Nicolas Cage would make a great agent, you know, in a black yeah. suit. He could have played that character, those characters. <laughs> However, they were. <laughs> so maybe one of the lackeys to Hugo Weaving. Is yeah. That what you're yeah. This was when Nicolas Cage was arguably at his peak. This was around the, what was it, a couple of years after, or two years after Conair and The Rock and Face Off came out. So Nicolas Cage was at peak Nicolas Cage, awesome action Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. So how awesome would it have been if he was one of the training programs in The Matrix? So you know how Neo's fighting Morpheus? Yep. Could you imagine if like, he's like, uh, if Nicolas Cage is a final boss or something, like he trains with Morpheus and then he goes, okay, well, you beat me. Now we need to chew against uh, a computer simulation. And then Nicolas Cage walks in and is like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> I know Kung Fu. When you first said that, I was thinking, what, you, he's going to teach Neo how to be a vampire? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Where is your brain right now? I'm thinking about Nicolas Cage in his skills and abilities. (laughs) Okay, number nine. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film, Sam? Would I think of this movie as a 10,000 out of 10,000 movie if I had never seen the sequels? If they had never been made or I'd never seen them? Because the sequels detract a lot from all of the goodness that was this original. Oh, this is controversial. They're not that bad. People hate them, like legitimately hate them. And for me, yeah, they're not great. And so that was what I was thinking was like, whether this would be a good 10,000 out of 10,000 movie for me. And maybe because when this came out, I walked out of the cinema and was like, I've got no idea what the fuck just happened, but I'm pretty sure that was really good. (laughs) Like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, like that. (laughs) And then as it went on, I was... And they started understanding it. I was like, well, this movie is the business. See, and then the sequels came out and I felt not as bad as I did when I saw Phantom Menace, but I, yeah, I just lost a lot of that luster. This is fascinating. Why 
do the sequels even come into the rating factor? You can't. It's too hard to not think about them. Okay. Hmm. Well, back to my original point of basically you don't need any sequels or trilogies or anything like that. So why watch them? Yeah. I haven't seen them and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My philosophical debate. Yeah. I think we should have actually asked the, our listeners about this. Is Would you take the blue pill or the red pill? Yeah. How would you even know unless you're in that situation? It's like you always say, oh, if this happened to me, I would do X, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then when it actually happens, what would you do? Oh, that's so true. Mm. Like, you know, like if I saw somebody robbing someone, you'd go and stop them and all that. Like, if you knew what you knew about this movie and you knew the circumstances that you were going to be living in and all that sort of stuff, would you rather be blissfully unaware? Mm. We could be in the Matrix right now. What if, you know, somebody ripped open the fabric of time and space, walked out and said, hey, you guys are in the Matrix. Mm. Do you want to come live with us in a shitty, bloody mechanical vehicle in a sewer? Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm quite happy being blissfully unaware. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be just some skin-filled sack for as a battery for some... By the way, highly impractical to use humans as batteries, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, how much energy is there really in in humans? Yeah. Maybe that's the debate. <laughs> it's not even a debate, it's just a scientific question. How much <laughs> battery power can you get out of one human being? <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Let's plug you in tonight and see if you power my Xbox, Stacey, and then we'll, determine, we'll start working down through the appliances and see which one you come out at. <laughs> Yes. I'm probably an electric toothbrush. That's probably really? my. Yeah, yeah. I'd reckon I could probably power one of those. You are quite energetic. An electric toothbrush is energetic. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Do you think you are underselling yourself? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, then let's wrap this up with question number 10. Yes, yeah, so question number 10. What is your favourite piece of trivia or random thing that you notice about this film? Now, this film is littered with them. Neo is the one, Neo is an anagram of one. It's just an okay. example. Okay. Yep, this is funny. Lawrence Fishburne shaved his head to play Morpheus for the film and the sequels. <laughs> That's not trivia. You can see it if you watch the movie. That's he an has a he has a shaved head. <laughs> Jeez, as if implying that somebody else is going around shaving his head. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> he didn't wear a bald cap. Well, who cares? That's an IMDb trivia. No, it's not. It's on another website. But it's r- a random piece of trivia is ridiculous it's like why would anyone go to the bother of writing that on a (laughs) trivia website so that's your favorite (laughs) bit of trivia for this film yes i'm gonna offer you two i'm gonna my favorite bit of trivia and the favorite thing i notice is the first bit of trivia is that will smith and sean connery were offered the lead roles for this so will smith would have been neo and sean connery would have been morpheus whoa that would have been totally different yep famously sean connery didn't understand the script for this and turned it down. He then got offered Lord of the Rings to play Gandalf, didn't mm-hmm. understand the script, turned it down. After all that, was like, holy shit, these films that I keep turning down have turned out to be some of the biggest films in film history. Maybe I'll take the next film that comes along that I don't understand the script for. <laughs> that film was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, was so bad that he quit acting after that. Holy, he needs a trusted advisor. Advise him on script decisions. Good work, Sean Connery, you (laughs) moron. Wow. Now, the favourite thing I noticed is that when Neo goes to see the Oracle, she says to him, you're going to ask me if if you're the one and all that sort of stuff, right? She then says to him, sorry, kid, you're not it. Maybe in your next life. Yes. Neo later dies at the end of this movie, is resurrected and is the one. 
Mm. First time around, I remember seeing like, oh, this is just a chastising of his confidence so that he'll actually, you know, become more confident and actually become the one. No, she was right all along. That blew my mind. I did not know that until we rewatched it to watch the taste of that shitty mortal engines out of our mouth. <laughs> well, I didn't know that at all. I didn't even remember what the Oracle had said and I didn't notice that he died at the end. So <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed that out. A <laughs> because he only died momentarily. Like it was like a little, it wasn't like he died, died and then came back. It was like just one of those near death, well, kind of. He flatlined. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But then he immediately came back to life. So blink and you miss it. <laughs> I love that piece of trivia, Sam. Thank you. And that takes us down to the end of our podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this doubleheader. Quite interestingly, what we are going to do in the future is when we get up to episode 80s and 90s and beyond, we're going to doublehead a few more. So we're going to look at our favorite film from 1980 and do that as a whole review. Or if a big film's come out then, we might uh, might mix it up and just do a 10 questions of that, add it on to the other 20 for the big film or whatever. So yeah, that'd be quite exciting, eh, Stacey? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, mixing things up a bit. And thank you everyone uh, that got back to us for that question about Mortal Engines. Take our advice and don't go see it unless you really don't give a shit. <laughs> Upcoming episodes. Or if you're a tween, yes, maybe. if you're a tween. Upcoming episodes for the rest of the year, we've got three more that we are going to do. The next up is episode 69, and me and Mitch and one of our friends, Dory, who's never been on the show before, was one of the biggest deviants in the world. We are going to do Showgirls. Stacey watched 10 minutes of that and then felt physically ill and left the room, didn't you, Stace? Yes, I did. So um, thank God I'm not involved in that one. Still better than La La Land? Shout out Emily Higgins. Now, that's an interesting philosophical debate. <laughs> I, I haven't not. thought about it. <laughs> Talking about Emily Higgins, our other film that we're going to do is A Night Before Christmas. Me and Stacey will be recording that this weekend, and we're going to reach out to one of our other favourite Patreons to get uh, question 20 from. And then at the end of this year, we are going to do a 2018 in review where we're going to ask 20 questions about 2018. This will be about films we watched this year, TV shows, not necessarily stuff that came out this year, but could be from any year, could just be stuff that we watched this year and our favourite podcasts and stuff like that. So we might put it out there for you guys for questions, but uh, we'll see. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In, you can find us on Gmail at MRITQS at gmail.com, and you can find our Facebook at Movie Reviews and 20Qs. Anywho, that is thanks for me. Thanks guys, see you later.